Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, good morning, and uh, welcome to Coastal Community Church. Great to see everyone. Uh, Great to see you guys online. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always, both near and far. And if you are near, uh, we would love for you to join us here with all these beautiful people today in person. Uh, thank you. I am Pastor Chris. And uh, hey, so I got some, we had a great, great Easter weekend here, by the way, at Coastal. Uh, last weekend, we had in person over six services, over three days. We had 1,782 people here. Um, and then we had uh, another uh, 1,115 uh, folks online, and uh, it was a great, great weekend. So uh, during my message, and I guess I've referenced this uh, uh, guy before, I, you know, I, I, uh, I referenced Ric Flair uh, in, in my message, and I, I've, I've mentioned him before. And by the way, so my voice maintained all six services last week, so that was great. But uh, a family here in the church, uh, Matt and Kathy Beam, who run our wonderful cafe, they gave me a little, not a doll, by the way, it is it's an action figure, an action figure. It's a Ric Flair action figure. And uh, if you listen real closely, woo, you can hear him kind of say, you know, scream. So, um, and I, don't you notice the resemblance, the, the ripped body, the, the flowing blonde hair. So um, anyway, I thought that was kind of cool, a little Ric Flair action figure. So anyway, that's nothing to do with anything, but uh, we're kicking off a brand new series today, as Scott said, uh, called Living in Victory. And uh, we, I talked about that at the end of my message uh, Easter weekend, uh, that you know because of the resurrection, right? Because Jesus defeated Satan, sin, and death, so can we, and we can now live in victory. And so for the next seven weeks, uh, we are going to be looking at seven of the most common sources of stress and frustration and pain that keep people, just everyday folks like you and me, keep us from living in victory, and then we're going to talk about how we can overcome them. So what are they, you ask? What are the seven most common uh, sources of stress and uh, pain and difficulty in people's lives that we're going to talk about? So here they are. Uh, Worry. Today, nobody struggles with worry, right? Not at all. Uh, Worry, busyness, damaged emotions, uh, indecision, dark valleys, hurt, and uh, and fear. Uh, And again, I'm sure many of those sound familiar and cause a lot of stress in people's lives. Well, believe it or not, the antidotes to all of them, to all of those uh, sources of stress, I believe are actually found uh, in the 23rd Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. Uh, So this series really is going to be uh, kind of a verse-by-verse study of the 23rd Psalm. Each week, we're going to look at another little portion of it and talk about how we can live in victory over that form of stress. So the 23rd Psalm really is probably the most beloved psalm in the Bible. It's probably the most uh, common, uh, most known passage in the Bible. In fact, raise your hand if you've ever heard you know, a funeral message or a memorial service and somebody mentioned or read the 23rd Psalm, right? So I just think it's good. It's probably going to be mentioned at your funeral, so why not talk about it now, right, while we're all still alive? Um, but it's a great passage that really tells us what our God is really like. Uh, It's a great picture of God. 
And so one of my goals for the next seven weeks is that when we get through this series, you'll have that much more of a, of a relationship and a knowledge about God, about what he is like. And you'll know just how much he loves you and cares for you, how much you matter to him, and how you can live in victory. So again, the first cause of stress and pain that we're going to talk about today that keeps people from living in victory is probably the biggest of all of them that we're going to talk about. Now, it's worry. Worry, anxiety. Now, there are several problems with worry, okay? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First of all, these, I would say three of the main problems with worry. First of all, worry is unhelpful. It's just straight up unhelpful because it really never accomplishes anything. You know, it, it doesn't solve the problem. It, it is stewing about something without doing. Um, it's like racing your, your car engine. You know, you, you're, you're creating a lot of noise and maybe even some smoke, but you're not going anywhere. You're not doing anything. Worry never solved a problem. Worry cannot change the past. It cannot control the future, and it makes you miserable today, okay? So number one, it's just unhelpful. Number two, it's also unreasonable. It's unreasonable in that it exaggerates the problem. It, it, it tends to make mountains out of molehills. It, it makes the problem seem bigger than it really is. And to wor- think about this, to worry about something that you cannot change, is absolutely useless. Useless. Now, to worry about something you can change, that's stupid, right? So either way, the, the point is, don't do it. Don't worry. So number three, worry is unhealthy. And we probably don't talk about this one as much as we should. It's unhealthy. Your body, our bodies were not created to worry. When you worry, and this, this is a known scientific fact. You can get things like ulcers, backaches, headaches, insomnia. I mean, how often do you go to the doctor and you know, some sort of you know, diagnosis and you say, well, what brings about that? And they're like, stress, worry, you know? You're like, oh, I'll never do that, you know? Listen, plants and animals don't worry. The only thing that worries in all of God's creation is you and me. And yet we weren't made to do that. We weren't made to worry. The old English word for worry is the word, get this, to strangle, to choke. Turn to your neighbor and choke. No, I'm just joking. Don't do that this morning. Um, But that is what worry does, right? It just chokes the life out of you. But we weren't born worrying, were we? I mean, little children, infants, toddlers, man, they just don't have a care in the world. You learn to worry. And you have to practice at it to be good at it. And some of you have earned a PhD in worry. You have. Now, I think the good news, though, is if you have learned to worry, you can unlearn it. Um, You can make progress in this area. So what is the antidote, the main antidote to worry? And I know this is going to sound very simplistic, and I don't mean it this way, but it is something I think we have to talk about. Here it is. Believe that God will take care of me. Believe that God will take care of me. Now, again, the 23rd Psalm is the most probably beloved psalm of the Bible, probably the most known uh, passage in the Old Testament. I want you to read verse one, Psalm 23, verse one, out loud with me today. Okay, let's read this out loud together. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. 
Let's read it one more time together, out loud, even with more gusto. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So here's the premise today. If I truly believe that, that the Lord is my shepherd, then what do you have to worry about? Now, how is this the antidote to worry? Well, you first have to understand what a shepherd does. Okay, and I know we don't really have a lot of, you know, common knowledge about shepherds, but, you know, shepherds, when, when, you know, when this was written and this is referred to in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's very common, okay? But let's talk about what shepherds do. Number one, a shepherd provides, right? He provides. He provides food, shelter, all the basic necessities for the sheep. Number two, a shepherd also protects, right? We know that. He protects, he defends against enemies, against wolves, against, you know, he keeps the the sheep from harm. Number three, a shepherd also guides. He leads the sheep. You know, when they're confused, they don't know which way to go. A shepherd also corrects, corrects. Any problem comes along, he corrects it. Sheep get off course, he provides a mid-course correction. So the amazing thing is this. Our God has promised to do those same four things in our own lives if we'll trust him. If you trust him to be your shepherd. Isaiah 40, 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. He says, I'll provide for you. I'll protect you, I'll guide you, I'll correct you, I'll correct the problems in your life for you if if you let me be your shepherd. It it gets even more specific in Philippians 4.19. Listen to this. As far as the Lord providing for us, I'll give you all that you need. Philippians 4.19 says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, this does not say he will supply all of your greeds, right? There is a difference. There is. There's a difference between your needs and your wants. If God met all of your wants, you would be one spoiled, selfish brat. You would. He's not going to do that. He's not going to give you everything you want. But he has said, I will give you all of your needs. Circle this word, I will. He will. I, God says, I will. That, he doesn't say, I might. I'll think about it. He says, I will. In other words, this is a promise of God. So therefore, God's character is on the line here. I mean, he is either going to do it or he is a liar. It says, I will meet all of your needs. So what does all include? You know what the Greek word for all is? All, that's it. I mean, it's all. That's what it means. Uh, Shelter, spiritual, financial, health needs, relational, emotional, everything. And so again, if God has promised to provide for all of our needs, What does that leave you to worry about? What's the answer? Nothing. I mean, you know, when you have an insurance policy, once you know what is covered in that policy, 
it, you know, it, it, at the very least, on a basic level, it kind of, you feel a little bit better about it, right? You don't worry about it as much anymore. Well, guess what? In the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises. That's God's coverage. That's his coverage that he puts on your life. And so, when you understand them, what's left to worry about? The problem is, we don't spend a lot of time reading the policy manual, Right? You know, you, a lot of times, you know, you get that policy manual for your insurance company, you're like, yep, that looks great. You know, you don't really pay much attention to it until you're in need, you know, until there's a problem. That's one of the reasons why, by the way, as a church, we're reading through the Bible together. We're reading through the policy manual. So worry is not only unhelpful, unreasonable, unhealthy, it's also unnecessary if Jesus is your shepherd. Now, we probably don't like to hear this, but anytime you, you worry, you're acting like an atheist. I mean, you really are. In essence, you are saying, I don't believe you, God. I don't believe you're going to keep your promises. And I don't believe you're going to take care of my needs. So worry is practical atheism. I don't believe God's going to do what he says he will do. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So how do I make Jesus my shepherd? So guess what? He's not the shepherd of everyone. He's only the shepherd of those who ask him, who let him be their shepherd. But it is, it's easy, it is. It's as easy as ABC. Doesn't get any easier than that, right? A, B, C. So let's talk about it. How do I make Jesus my shepherd? A, accept Jesus as my Lord. Accept, the letter A stands for accept. Accept Jesus as my Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I wanna be crystal clear on this. The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your Lord. So they go together, they do. You cannot ask him to be the shepherd of your life, you know, meeting all of the needs in your life without allowing him and asking him to be the Lord of your life. At some point, you have to stop playing God and allow him to be God. Now, on a very practical level, what does it mean to be Lord, that Jesus is your Lord? It means that he is in control. Lord is whoever's in charge. Today you might use the words, you know, boss, manager, CEO, chairman of the board, the person who calls the shots. So Jesus is the Lord of your life if he is the one who is calling the shots in your life. If he's not calling the shots, do not kid yourself, he is not your Lord. And if he's not your Lord, he really can't be your shepherd. Because what does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. Remember, what, what does a shepherd do? He guides, he provides, he corrects, he protects. And I don't know about you, but I need those things in my life. Now, to accept Jesus as Lord practically means at least three things. And you see them in another passage that, where Jesus is speaking about being the shepherd to his sheep. And it's found in John chapter 10. Two verses I want us to look at, verse 14 and verse 27. Listen to this. Jesus said, again, here it is, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. 
My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Right there. That's what it means to have Jesus as Lord. In fact, I want you to circle those words there. Know, listen, and follow. Know, listen, and follow. That's what it means to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. You know Jesus. Now, what does that mean? That means you don't just have religion, okay? You know, religion never did anybody any good. It, it doesn't. You know, you, you have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So the question is, do you know him? Have you personally you know, crossed that line of faith where you have recognized that in comparison to a holy God that you're a sinner in need of a savior and you've asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sins and to be, yes, your savior and both your Lord. You know him. It's a personal, intimate, daily relationship. It's not about you know, church attendance, not about trying to be a good person. It's you know Jesus. And then secondly, again, you listen to him. So, who do you listen to? I mean, for the stuff of life that you need, advice or direction, who do you listen to? Pop psychology, new age gurus, 1-800-psychic-friends? You know, or maybe you think you're pretty smart. So when it comes to advice or listen to somebody, you know, you pretty much just listen to yourself. Listen, if Jesus really is the Lord of your life, you listen to him. You listen to him. How do you do that? How do you, how do you hear him speak? Now, I, I, don't, I don't think this is a mystery, but we don't talk about this maybe very often, and maybe you, you don't know this, but... We listen to him through the power of the Holy Spirit, which, which he lives in us at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit does, and he brings to life. We can listen to Jesus through his word, which the Spirit brings to life, and through prayer. He leads us. He guides us. It's that simple. And so if Jesus is your Lord, you listen to him. You make that a priority. And then he also says here, my sheep follow me. And I think this is right here where the, where the rubber really meets the road. Uh, in, in the decisions of your life, okay? You know, and the big ones, the little ones, but like, you know, like your marriage, your family, your, your finances, your, you know, questions of morality, you know, purity. So do you follow others? Do you follow the passing whim of the current culture? You know, yourself, popular opinion, or do you follow the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, Jesus said it. Uh, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They listen to my voice, and they follow me. Now, all the stuff that we tend to worry about, for the most part, worry typically is a control issue. Okay? It's a fear that you're not in control of something. You know, worry is, is an attempt to control the uncontrollable. And so you are assuming a responsibility that God never meant for you to have. And whenever you try to control the uncontrollable, yes, 
you are going to have anxiety. You're going to worry. And that should be a big, red, flashing light in your life. Big warning light should be going off in your head. Warning, warning. You're trying to control something. That's, that's one of the roots behind worry. You know, you're trying to control something you should not be trying to control in the first place. So I'm going to ask you a personal question. Who's in control of your life? Now, God gives you the option. You know, he never forces himself on on anybody. And so you have two options. Either you can be in control of your life, or you let God be in control. And by the way, God doesn't co-pilot anybody. I always thought that was the stupidest saying in the world, you know. God's my co-pilot. God's nobody's co-pilot. You know, if that were true, you would crash and, and God would get the blame, you know, because we, we, would, we still have, you know, God's not going to force him to either, either you are in control of your life or you let him be in control, okay? One or the other. He made you. He knows what will make you happy more than you do. He knows the future. He has the power to bring things to pass in your life. But he's still going to give you the option. So, if you're in control, you're playing God. And every time you start playing God, you are going to worry. You know, again, there there should be this little voice inside your mind when that happens, like, okay, who am I kidding here? You know, I know I'm not God, and... You know, and you and God know that, you know, you don't have it all together. You know, again, it's, it's an issue of control. Now, if that's what you're doing, I mean, if you're trying to run your life without God's direction, you ought to be worried. <laughs> I was like, wow, whoa, Pastor Chris, you know, told me not to worry. But yeah, but if you're trying to do it on your own, you know, without listening to God, without following God, I think you ought to be scared stiff. I'd be shaking in my shoes if I were you. But if Jesus is the Lord of your life and he's your shepherd, then you know he's in control. And so there is nothing to worry about. The letter B, begin praying about everything. Begin praying about everything. Pray about all the stuff that you usually worry about. Just talk to God about it. Listen, that, after all, is what he wants anyway. He wants a conversation. He wants your friendship. He wants your relationship. And and you say, well, you know, I don't have time to pray. Well, do you have time to worry? You know, we never talk about that. Ah, I'm just so busy, I don't have time to worry. I never hear anybody say that. You know, if you've got time to worry, you got time to pray. If you prayed about all the stuff that you're worrying about, you'd have an awful lot less to worry about. And again, worry doesn't change anything. We know that. But do we believe that prayer changes everything? I mean, prayer gets in touch with the God who can change everything. You got two options you can panic or you can pray. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the classic passage on this. Don't worry about what? 
anything, anything. Instead, do what? Pray, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Again, God's promised, right, to meet your needs. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Gratitude. Then you will experience, then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. You know, I think most people, when they pray, we just pray prayers we think God wants to hear. And just pray about everything. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And God's ability is greater than your anxiety. It is. His ability is greater than your anxiety. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast means to unload it, to drop it, to let it go. The, the, the Greek word literally means drop, unload. Prayer is an incredible stress reliever. It says all, all your anxiety, whatever it is that you're anxious about, upset about, irritated about, worried about, he says cast it on him, dump it on him, unload it on The problem is we translate that verse cast like we cast in fishing, right? We cast our worries out and then what do we do? We just reel them back. We reel them back. That's not it. That's not what he's saying here. Now, I think another source of relief, and this is one of the benefits of being a believer, another source of relief from worry is allowing others, other Christians, to pray with you and to pray for you. But you can't experience that unless you have those types of relationships, real fellowship with other believers. And you know, so often, we, the problem is, is that we think we're the only ones who are experiencing this problem or this hurt, this anxiety. You know, we're the only ones who've ever gone through a trial like this, and that's just where you're so wrong. You are, and if you would just open yourself up a little bit, not just to God, but to others. And I, I do believe that this is one of the problems with this past, you know, the past two years, you know, this, you know, being isolated. It's kept this from happening. Real fellowship, you know, but if you would just open up to other people, you could receive the help and the encouragement and prayer that you need. You know, it's an old, like, recovery saying, and, uh, but, it, but it's true. Revealing is the beginning of healing. Revealing is the beginning of healing. But how can we begin praying for one another if we keep building up these walls where we want everybody to think, you know, that, oh, I got everything together, you know, I don't have any problems. Listen, let's just be honest and finally admit to one another. I mean, let's just admit it. You know, I have blown it, I am blowing it, and I will blow it in some area of my life, that, that we're all just a bunch of whack jobs. Turn to your neighbor seriously right now and say, you're a whack job, okay? Now, you know, you're welcome. Some of you are waiting to tell that person that. Hopefully they told you that too. But anyway, but we are. We're just a bunch of uh, whack jobs. This is what the church is supposed to be all about, that we are a healing center for sick people. Let, let me make this little disclaimer here. Let me just say this out loud. If you think you're perfect, okay, and that you got it all together, and you never have any struggles, man, you can leave. I'm serious. You can exit and don't come back because the church is not for you then. But, you know, if you want to develop a personal relationship with the great physician, 
and, and be a help in a healing process to other people, you know, on the road to recovery, then man, you stay right here. You're welcome and join us in the great adventure of, of a lifetime. You know, this is a hospital for healing for sick people. I mean, who did Jesus get onto the most? Those Pharisees who thought they had it all together. So we're, we're all messed up. We all need help. And so where's the best place to de- begin to develop those relationships with each other? I think it's in a church that understands this. But I also think that within the church, there are some places. Let me give you two suggestions, a life team and a life group. Man, I, I love this. I love what we do on Sunday morning. I love, you know, attracting a crowd. Nothing wrong with a crowd. Jesus attracted large crowds. And I love being able to share the good news of the gospel, you know, preaching, talking about Christ with as many people as possible. However, you don't really grow to become like Jesus in a crowd. But you do in community. You develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You know, love, joy, peace. Not in a crowd, but in relationships. And you can find those relationships. You can find that type of community in our life groups and through serving and volunteering on our life teams. Because that's where you get to know people and do life with people. Now, I'm not going to promise you that, you know, you'll never worry again. But I don't understand. I really don't. I don't understand it how people make it in this world and this day without a group of people praying for them and supporting them on a regular basis. And if that's not part of the antidote to worry, I don't know what is. Worry, worry is kind of like a dense fog. A dense fog. When a fog rolls in, you know, and you can't see. Right, And you're trying to drive through a thick fog. You can't see what's ahead. And sometimes you even have to pull off you know, the side of the road. But really, it's an illusion. The, the National Institute of Standards and Technology did a, did a test, and they discovered that if you took a dense fog that could cover like seven square blocks of a city, 100 feet deep, and you condensed that fog, it would only equal enough moisture to fill like a glass of water. But that's what fog does, Right? And that's what worry does. It expands the problem. It exaggerates the problem. It's an illusion. A, B, C. The letter C, consider one day at a time. I know that's kind of another, you know, a recovery statement. By the way, we have a great recovery group here at Coastal called Celebrate Recovery. Love for you to be a part of it. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is basically saying that today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. I can't follow that anyway, but I think that's true. But when you worry, you're not doing anything about yesterday. You can't control tomorrow. You're just messing up the here and now, today. And I know the future can seem so overwhelming. Therefore, God has given it to us in these little bite-sized pieces. He's given it to us in one 24-hour increment. And he says several times, live one day at a time. In fact, Matthew 6, 11, give us what? Today, our daily bread. And worry, it is, it's a a choice, a day-to-day choice. There's no pill that I can give you, you know, as you exit here today to make you stop worrying. There's no seminar, there's no app, there's no book that's just going to clear it all up. There's no one spiritual experience that you'll have and you'll never worry again. It's a daily choice. Sometimes moment by moment. When, when you say, 
am I going to believe that the Lord is my shepherd or not? Who is in control of my life? And if I stay in control, I got a lot to worry about. But if God is my shepherd and my Lord, then he's in control and it's his problem and he can handle it. So what's got you worried? What is it in your life that causes you to toss and turn, fuss and fume, wondering is it ever gonna work out? What is it that when you think about you get that pit in your stomach? Listen, I don't know what it is what it is that you might be going through today, but in some ways it really doesn't matter because, because God does. He knows exactly what you're going through. And back to Matthew 6, verses 32 and 33, so these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. You know, what you wear, what you'll drink, where, what, what you'll eat, you know, those things. That's what he's saying. All that stuff, it dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you, here it is again, everything you need. So here's my homework assignment for you this week. I want you to go home and read Psalm 23 over and over. Just read it over and over again. And when you do, you're gonna find the words uh, I, my, me, 17 times. This is a very personal psalm, and then you'll see the words you, he, or his, talking about God, used like 15 times. Why? Because this psalm is all about a relationship with God, and that's the answer. It's not religion. Religion is not gonna help you stop worrying. You need a relationship. You need a shepherd. Somebody who provides, protects, guides, and corrects. And God says, that's what I made you for. I made you for that relationship. That's why he sent Jesus. And so I wanna invite you today to take that first step, just to opening your life to Jesus if you've never done it before. To ask him to become your Lord. Your Lord. And he will be, if you'll let him, your personal shepherd as he's promised to do. Again, I don't know what you're worrying, what you're worrying about today, but I do know this. God cares about your stress. He cares about your pain, about your anxiety. The Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. There's only one. There's only one Lord. The Lord is. Not might be, not will be. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he? Can you say that with certainty? The Lord is my shepherd. Is the shepherd your Lord? He can't be one without the other. And when you can say that and really mean it, that's when you're gonna stop worrying. Listen, don't walk out of here today carrying a burden you were never meant to carry. So I want you to bow your heads and pray with me right now to the good shepherd. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you 
Thank you for Jesus. Thank you. And maybe, maybe you're here right now listening to this. Maybe you're watching online and you have never asked Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. You've never crossed that line of faith. Listen, you can do it right now. He is just one prayer away. Pray this prayer, something like this in your heart right now. Dear Jesus, I, I don't understand it all, but I've heard that you have promised to take care of my needs if I would trust you. And I, I realize that my worry is just a warning light that I'm in control, that I'm trying to control everything. I don't wanna do that anymore. I want you to be in control. I want you to be my manager. I want you to be my Lord. I want to know you. I want to listen to you. I want you to lead me in the life plan that, that you have for me. Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, forgive me for falling astray. I ask you to come into my life to save me from my sin. And from this day forward, I give you control of all of my life as my Lord. Lord Jesus, you are my shepherd. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.